On this episode of the Hoop Scoop brought to you by the Quick Takes Podcast Network, we get into the Bleacher Report's top 100 players for this NBA season. Then we get into some NBA trivia. This show is an absolute barn burner, chock full of some hot takes. So buckle up. Here we go. back for another episode of the hoop scoop i'm here as always with cole and pj how are you guys doing today doing great brother are we, are we ready for another one awesome so this week we've got the teams now pretty much at the nba bubble we've been seeing a lot of footage of uh players trying to keep entertained now that everyone is down there but probably the biggest news of the week was the uh Bleacher Report rankings that came out for the top 100 players of the year. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're going to start today, just getting into that and uh, what they picked as far as what we think of that. Um, so pretty much they put it – this is not a ranking of best players in the league per se. It's more just based on this year alone. Mm-hmm. So you had to play 500 minutes. That was pretty much the baseline of how to qualify. That eliminates Durant. That eliminates Curry. Uh, that eliminates Clay Thompson. So it's not all of the best players in the league, but based off this year it is. So to start, I'll just read you the top 10, and we can kind of get your picks or your opinions on some of those. So at number one was Giannis. Number two was LeBron. Number three was Kawhi. Number four was James Harden. Number five was Luka Doncic. Number six was Nikola Jokic. Number seven was Damian Lillard. Number eight was Anthony Davis. Number nine was Jimmy Butler. And number 10 was Chris Middleton. <laughs> so um, just starting off there, is there any names that jump out to you as either too high or that are missing from that top 10? All right. So looking at this list right now, uh, Jake hinted towards it in uh, the opening statements here. The guy that should be really a glaring one should be uh, Chris Middleton. I think he has no shot at making the top 10 in this, in this year's um, top 10 best players. I think he's way, way, way too high in his stock. I, I like I like Middleton's game a lot. He's a very good volume shooter, very efficient. Uh, just barely got outside the 50-40-90 club, which is a very illustrious mm-hmm. uh, thing that uh, you can get into anyways. But uh, I think what you got to put into factor is that he plays with Giannis, and he plays in, uh, on the best team in the league uh, record-wise. So I think that, that also incorporates why he's so high on the list. But uh, – Coming from my standpoint, I, I don't think he has any business being here. Maybe top 15, but I would, would definitely take him off the uh, 10. I don't think he has any business being. Uh, yeah, and I think you're right, PJ. 10. He's more of a sum of the parts around him. And I, I, I get, like, if I look at these other nine through um, one guys, excluding Chris Middleton from being the 10th spot, they're all the best player on their team, and they're all – not really um, a product of the, of the parts around them, but just a product of themselves and how good of a player they are individually. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree if, with you on that one. If you keep going past him, that's really the next few players even after him go back to that. Like you're saying, that kind of like run their team or at least are not um, so much a second man. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I guess I can no longer say this, but for a long time I've said Middleton was really underrated. I think people didn't even really look at him as a star. I think clearly Bleacher Report does look at him as a star now. And I, I like him a lot. Like he's the perfect uh, role, 
uh, second fiddle to Giannis. He's a good shooter. He's really efficient. Uh, he's a good scorer. And, like, he's a guy that can get a bucket. Sometimes Giannis um, gets slowed down a little bit, and that's when Middleton comes in and can really just be the guy who goes out there and gets them a buck when they need it. Mm-hmm. And he's a really good player. But like you said, top 20, maybe squeeze into the top 15, sure. But top 10 is leaving some guys that are definitely having better seasons than him um, out. Yeah, One of good. those might be Embiid. What do you guys think about him? Is he tw- He's at 12, so he's not too far out. But do you think he should be in the top 10? No, I think he definitely should be. Best option in the 76ers, which is a very, as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, a very star-heavy team. Um, even beyond him, I, I think players, you could give a nod. I know he's had an injured season and he hasn't been like playing his best basketball, but you could even give a nod to Pascal Siakam, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. I think people right now are kind of forgetting and how dominant the um, Toronto Raptors were uh, before the NBA uh, season shut down. And Spicy P, even though he got banged up there a little bit, he was a large reason why. You can't point your finger at Kyle Lowry that he was the reason there. I think um, if it ever could happen, like back-to-back most improved player of the year award, I think Spicy P should be the candidate. <laughs> yes, I agree with you on that one. But uh, going to the Embiid situation, it, it's a really tough one because obviously the fit with uh, Simmons, Embiid, and Horford, when you have all those guys on the floor at the same time, it really doesn't flourish. Like, it really doesn't mesh that well. That's why they were take, putting uh, Horford on the bench. Anyways, I really like Embiid's game. I feel like Embiid can score a lot more points than he does. I'm not saying that he's lazy. I just feel like that he can dominate so much more. Uh, he could definitely be a 28 to 29 points per game player looking at his talent. Uh, another guy I want to touch up on is this isn't just coming from a Celtic standpoint. A Celtics fan standpoint, but I really think that that uh, Tatum really showed that he, he's the number one guy for the Boston Celtics. I think that he should be uh, the number 10 or uh, – sorry, yeah, I think he should be number 10 on this list, showing by what he did uh, t- towards uh, – in January, how dominant, how efficient he was. They got a lot of W's in that month. He really showed that he set this game up from last year to this year in that Kyrie's uh, situation. So I think that uh, – in my opinion, I, I would switch switch uh, either Embiid or Tatum with uh, Middleton. Yeah, Tatum, Tatum being right behind Middleton is kind of interesting because it kind of goes to what Cole said where Tatum for long points this year was the Celtics' best player and he was their go-to option every night. So to put a guy who's so clearly like by far the second option when he literally has this year the best player in the entire league on his team, to put that in front of a guy like Tatum who was just going – head-to-head with, like, right before the season shut down, like, they played the Lakers, um, and they almost beat them. Tatum had, like, 40-something points. They were, like, doubling him at half court. Mm-hmm. I think Tatum deserves to be in there over him amongst a few other people. But at the same time, as a Celtics fan, if you told me that they'd come out with this list in the summer and Tatum would be all the way at 11, based on how last season ended, I, I would definitely I would definitely take that. He's made a really big jump, like, in a short amount of time this year. Sir, agreed. Actually. Yeah, I was going to just speak quickly to uh, PJ's point that he made about uh, Joel Embiid and that he should be averaging more points and getting 29 points a game. And I, I personally agree to that fact. I think it's just the result of the 76ers coaching staff being underwhelmed, right? Or being mm-hmm. underwhelming in that Brett Brown really can't get um, shooters around him. Uh, they can't space the floor well. They're either operating out of a fast break or they're operating out of a half court set. 
and it, it just doesn't go well to Embiid's game. He's, he's very, very competent around the rim with his back to the basket, and he's also extremely competent with his um, – out of the three-point stance. So yeah. it's, it's – or the triple threat stance, I should say, not the three-point, that's football. But uh, out, of, uh, <laughs> out of the triple threat there, he's very, very competent in both of those facets, and they don't really adhere to, the, uh, adhere to his strengths. They either have him running up and down the floor and getting him gassed, or they have him not really exposing his athleticism with too many back-to-the-baskets and down-loan screens. So what I will say is I think Joel Embiid would be the best if he was surrounded with shooters like they did with Dwight Howard. But before that happens, I don't think he can crack the top 10, not because of his own doing, but because of the people that um, make up his team and the coaching staff around him. Agreed. Yeah. And, you know, even if, even if they don't go like the magic, how they built when Howard was in his prime, or just him and four shooters, I mean, they, they're not even close to that. They're almost like the exact opposite. He's got another center with Horford on him. He's got a 6'10 point guard who can't shoot with Simmons. And then he's got Tobias Harris, who's really just not a playmaker. So and then he the has pieces no on that team. Yeah. And they don't have shooters. They had J.J. Redick. He, he, left, he left them last season. He was perfect for the team. So, yeah, not, he's, he does pretty well considering it's a weirdly built team. But I think, like you said, he could do even better with the right team. Mm-hmm. But – Moving on, I think we've gone long enough without saying what I think many people would say is the biggest upset or uh, a guy who's way too low on this list, and that's Russell Westbrook. He didn't even crack the top 20. His exact rating is number 22, and he was not happy about that. Um, he took to social media after <laughs> the rankings came out, and he literally just like said like like laughing emojis, I'm pretty sure, it was the whole tweet. And yes, he was just – it, he's, he's, he's a funny guy to do that too, just because not only is it disrespectful, but he's, he takes everything more personal than anyone in the league. He's one of the most petty players, most competitive mm-hmm. players. So I knew it wouldn't go over well with Russ or a lot of the fans. So uh, what do you guys think on Russ being at 22? I, I like Russell, Russell Westbrook's game. Uh, everyone's going to flag him for being the triple-double triple, triple, uh, triple double god that he is. But when you, when you look at uh, how he really turned up the notch – in the second half of the, of the uh, shortened season, he really showed that he, at times, was better than Harden. And Harden is number four on this list. And so mm-hmm. I know for me personally, I, I think he's 100% definitely a top 20 player. But if you're looking at players like this, uh, I'm going to start naming players that they have in front, in front of uh, uh, Russell Westbrook. They have Paul George at 16. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, I really like Paul George, but he was injured. and He really wasn't that star player that he was with Westbrook last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in OKC, you got you got George, you got uh, Rudy Gobert up there. I, the fact that Kyrie Irving is at 19 and he played 20 games this season, what did he do? <laughs> like, like that's not coming from a standpoint of because I hate this man for 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 all for all the tears that he left me in the off season. But anyways, I I, I don't understand why Bleacher Report even put his name here. Like it just says it doesn't make any sense. And the fact that he that he that he always cried about playing the Celtics during the regular season and, and always said oh, that was a little annoying. But uh, my my big my big three ifs for uh, in front of Westbrook is Paul George, Kyrie Irving, and probably Kyle Lowry. That's that's mm. uh, that's uh, for me. Yeah, I, I think Russell Westbrook is an extremely competent player, and he wasn't treated as such. I think Carl Anthony Towns should be below him. I also think Ben Simmons should be below him, and I think Paul George should be below him. So I, I, I honestly think in looking at this list right now, I think Russell Westbrook would slide in well right between the 17 and 14 spot on yes. this list. Um, what Russell Westbrook, uh, 
he is an extreme competitor. And I think this is bulletin board material for him. And I believe whoever made this list has a heavy bet on uh, Russell Westbrook and needs everything he needs to do in his power to make sure that he hits on that bet. So he's like, you know what? I'm just going to jip him on where he clearly should be just so I can add some bulletin board material here. So hopefully he can go past the uh, second round here in the playoffs and I can hit him <laughs> a bit. He gets so much hate. It's, it's, it's just, it's disrespectful at that point. Like it, it, it's really a toss up between him and him and Carmelo Anthony who gets the most hate in the league. <laughs> yeah. I like, I think he should be higher. But I don't think he's too – like, I think he should have maybe barely cracked the top 20 because he, since the Rockets went to that super small ball lineup where it's like Russell slash P.J. Tucker pretty much playing center, mm-hmm. Russell's played really well. <laughs> but pretty much until January, Russell was awful. And I don't think that was all his fault because the Rockets' offense is pretty much Harden handles the ball and then everyone else clears out. And Russell can't shoot, but with that offense where Harden's clearly the top guy, he was shooting way more threes than he should be. And he was just being like terribly inefficient. Like there was a lot of nights he'd miss like 18 shots. He'd have a bunch of turnovers and it was just like not really a good fit. And then they went to that super small ball lineup and he's been like literally dominating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's some guys that are very notable that are ahead of him. Like Lowry, I think Russell's definitely had a better season than him. Um, so I think he should have been top 20, but I don't, I do think that the beginning of his season definitely hurt him. Um, I don't know. I like PJ, you said he should be above Paul George. That's a, that's a tough one. Cause Paul George is not having as good of stats as last year, but I think that's just cause he, he doesn't need to with the yes. team they're on. They've been, they've yes. been really like kind of like coasting. Um, they're just, their, their goal pr- clearly all year is to get to the playoffs with how much they sat either him or Kawhi on certain nights. Um, but another guy that I thought was rated too low was the one directly in front of Westbrook. And I think this is a guy who, you want to talk about not getting the respect he deserves is Bradley Bale. So um, he finished yes. the season with 30, 30, over 30 points a game, 30.5. And before this list even happened, he's been getting disrespect all year. He didn't even make the all-star game. Yeah. And he's going to finish the season with over 30 points a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's crazy. A, a guy who I thought got slightly disrespected was Jalen Brown. He's at the 30 spot. And a guy that I think he should be ahead of is um, Ingram. He's Ingram's at the 28 spot, and I think he's a product of a roster that's basically take as a million shots as possible, whereas Jalen Brown is definitely a cog in a championship style uh, or a championship roster. So I I think just for that, he should be elevated a little bit more to 28, and then that would uh, nestle him nicely right behind Devin Booker at 27. If I was to add a comment about what you just said, um, I would definitely put Jalen Brown a little higher on this list. But what really irks me, like, and I really like this guy, like Zion Williamson, like he, uh, he showed that he's a lot of potential. He's gonna be, he's gonna be a future star in this league. Everyone already knows it. But he played 19 games, and like in, in those games, he played really, he played very, very well, like very, very well for his team. And uh, mm. the, uh, New Orleans has a, has a really good chance in the upcoming years. But for you to play 19 games and you're cracking on top 30, I think, yep. I think that Jalen Brown should, should be ahead of him, in my opinion. 100%. But you look at that, um, you go down this list, I mean, some more Celtics guys. I think that uh, Kemba Walker should be in front of Trey Young, just going back on team success. I think Kemba Walker is a, uh, a better leader. Uh, you got to look at the intangibles on this one as well. You can't just think about uh, scoring and uh, passing and all that. But uh, I like Trey Young's game. I, absolutely probably the worst defender in the league. 
Kemba yeah. is a serviceable – he's not a terrible defender, but he's a serviceable defender. I, At I least agree. he gives effort, right? I mean, Kemba Walker Absolutely. is a good effort guy. Yes. So I, one of the best pull-up pull up shooters in the league. Trey Young is just a sniper. He's going to be really good in the coming years. But for right now, I will put Kemba Walker in front of Trey Young and uh, Jalen yeah. Brown in front of Zion Williamson. If if you want to focus on the Pelicans, I, I will agree. I don't think Zion should be in it, and it's not a talent thing. I've talked a lot about, like, either for this playoffs or for the future, how the Pelicans have a lot of, like, a good future, mainly because of Zion. But this year, no, I don't think he played enough. Um, but on the flip side, Brandon Ingram, I think, definitely does deserve to be where he is. Yes. Um, just looking at the article um, by Beach Report, they they were talking about um, his, his numbers, uh, 24 points and four assists on a true shooting percentage of 59. Only two players have ever done that in their age 22 season. Mm-hmm. And it's Ingram this year and then Michael Jordan. So, like, <laughs> crazy. the way he's – like, it's crazy that, like, this is the first year where he really had a chance to, like, run a team. It kind of worked perfectly for him where – he was with LeBron. Well, he was with the young guys where there was really no leader. And then he was with LeBron for a year. And then this year, it was going to be him and Zion, but Zion's been hurt. So, like, the, the chance for him to become, a, like, an all-star came together perfectly, and he did not squander it. Average, I didn't even realize he was at 24 points a game. I thought he was at, like, 20. Completely um, doing this it, game from last year. Yeah. And to be doing it at such a high percentage, and anytime, even if it's an obscure stat, anytime, your name is mentioned with Michael Jordan. You're, you're definitely doing something right. <laughs> the biggest abomination was having Buddy Heald at 69. He was a guy who was almost a fringe all-star. He was trying to compete for the all-star game this year. He was very competent, shot almost 40% from the field, was a big volume scorer for the Sacramento Kings that definitely had a rebound year this year. Um, he got paid in the offseason, and he's only progressed. I, I think he should have been a guy higher than 69. I think he should have been in the top 50 somewhere. Also, on, on another laughable note, Kevin Love wasn't in the top 50, which I, I think is right. But I just find funny that uh, a guy getting paid that much is can't even chip his way into the top 50 players in the season. <laughs> you can also look at some of the uh, players that get left off of this. I, I know in my opinion, uh, because I watch this division a lot, I think that Norman Powell should definitely be in the list. Norman Powell showed that uh, – he had a really big resurgence in the second – like a lot of these guys tends to be in the second half of the year, showing that they're playing better. But Norman Powell was probably like the third best player on that Toronto Raptors team, like in the, like in the, second, in the, in the second half of the uh, year. Hmm. So I think that he, he deserves to be on this list. Still, like, I, I like Jimmy Butler, one, he, very elite player, one of the best uh, two-way players in the game. But I think you can uh, go on the fact that he has Tyler Hero around him. He has Bam Adebayo. Goran Dragic, he he really fits. He fits really good in the system because he's a gritty defensive player. But he his shooting stats just dropped immensely this year. Shot twenty five percent from the three point line. One of the worst clutch shooters in the league. I just from that, I I personally would put him a little um, higher up on the list to make room for Tatum as well. And uh, another thing that really kind of just like made my mind kind of confused is that Anthony Davis is. Uh, lower on the list compared to uh, Nikolai Jokic. And I just think, obviously... Uh, what did you just say? Anthony, Anthony Davis is number eight and Nikolai Jokic is number six. So I would switch those two, uh, mainly because I think that Anthony Davis is a better player. And that, uh, Jokic had a, had a really slow start the season as well. He started to ease back into things, but I think that uh, Anthony Davis kind of got a little dis- disrespected at uh, the number eight uh, spot. Yeah. 
Well, like if you're gonna if you're gonna put Davis above him, it's because you're appreciating how much of a two way player Davis has been this year. He's been like a literal beast on defense. Yes. But so I, I actually do agree with you that Davis could be above Jokic, but it's not like Jokic is just there by like completely getting overrated. I mean, he he averages seven assists, six point nine assists per game as a mm-hmm. center. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that their offense runs through him, like not just as a scorer, but like Jokic literally like runs the offense a lot of times as a center. He's like he's such he's such a unique player. But yeah. I think the fact that Davis has been dominating on both ends of the season. I think I do think that he should be um, above him, but it is the other. It, it's hard because you got to keep in mind that would that would have two Lakers players in the top six. So mm-hmm. I think they're also considering that when they made the list a little bit. Yeah, um, if anything, this list is good talk show fodder for us, right? I mean, going mm-hmm. going beyond it, it's just something for the players to look at during quarantine. And speaking specifically to what the bubble situation is like. Uh, I'm finding a lot more uh, reasons to not like the players because it seems like they're complaining about every single situation that it is, and they haven't even progressed to the mindset of making it uh, making the best of it, but just sticking in the rooms and complaining the whole time. But beyond that, I want to say uh, quick takes, pat on the back here for uh, sniping the selections of uh, Jamal Crawford and Michael Beasley on being two good players for. Um, the Brooklyn Nets, which are in desperate needs of guys that just will shamelessly put up a million shots a game. So congratulations, yeah. Brooklyn. You sealed the deal with those two guys. <laughs> I mean, that was like within an hour after us finishing recording last episode, both of them had been signed. Crawford was like literally <laughs> as we ended. And then uh, Beasley was like an hour later. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was crazy. But like you said, they do. They just need, they need scores. They need guys who can put up shots. Neither of them are like terribly efficient, but they can both score the basketball and they they need that. But honestly, more than that, they're both they're both bodies and they they need bodies right now because they literally have almost no one to play. Mm-hmm. So I was glad to see and they're both they're both two exciting players. I think they still have a spot in the league. So even if it's just for this little um weird season resume that will never really ever have happen again, it's cool that they'll be back in it for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. All right, starting off with trivia, if you don't mind, I'll start it off here. Uh, who made the first basket in NBA history? <laughs> well, it was definitely some old man. Uh, he actually uh, just recently passed away in 2013 at the age of 94. Okay, I'm just, I, I, I'm, I don't even have a guess. I'm just going to go with Bob Cousy. <laughs> um, he's still alive, PJ, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jake? Um, I'll just guess Mikan because I know he's been around. It's Ozzy Schmeckman. He played for the New York <laughs> Knickerbockers and he got a, a layup to go. First basket, NBA history. <laughs> awesome. Let me go, go. go Schmeck. <laughs> All right, PJ, what you got? Okay, boys. So we obviously seen our fair share of players that like to run their mouths and get ejected and then fight and all that uh, hoo-ha. Anyways, <laughs> who is the... I would say the participant of receiving the longest suspension in NBA history of 86 games. Oh, I know it. I think I know it. Is, is it, it Ron is Artest? It, yeah, that's what I was going to say for the, for the malice of the palace. It is Ron Artest. He got 86 games for uh, his malice in the palace situation that, that, <laughs> that happened in 2004. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, was a, that was a gritty Pacers team there. You got Marquise Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like every year on the anniversary when I see the clip of that, 
I like forget how bad that actually was. I'm like, yeah. this actually happened at an NBA game, like not even that long ago. Mm-hmm. It's still Insane. crazy. Like the, all the fans were involved too. They were throwing like sodas and beers out of them. Dude, Steven Jackson's coming nowhere. I know, crazy. I wonder how that must have been wild. Not fun <laughs> to be a security experience. guard that night. That must have been miserable. Absolutely not. Um, so I'll move on to my first. I'm going to read you uh, the top five in uh, the 2003-2004 season's MVP voting. And uh, I'll, I'll give you six guys. So one of them was not in the top five. So tell me who wasn't. So we have Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, Jermaine o- O'Neal, P.J. Stojakovic, and Shaquille O'Neal. So we're answering who wasn't? Yeah, so that's the top five are those guys, and then one of them is not in it. Uh, okay, I'm just going to go with Jermaine O'Neal. Was it P.J. PJ Stojakovic? No, it's actually Shaquille O'Neal. Really? So in order, KG won that year. Duncan was second. Jermaine O'Neal was third. P.J. Stojakovic <laughs> was fourth, and Kobe Bryant was fifth. Wow. I was shocked when I saw that PJ Stoyakovich really? finished fourth in MVP voting. Yeah, <laughs> even even Jermaine O'Neal. That, that, well, that's, I knew that's Jermaine O'Neal was too. a really good player there on the Pacers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. right after he left the Blazers. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I knew Stoyakovich was an all-time shooter and like a great role player, but he put up 24 points a game that year on 43% uh, three-point shooting, and it was the year Chris Webber was pretty much out. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I I literally had no idea he was ever that type of guy. That like, like, he was he was, was MVP conversation. Out. Yeah. Nice. Let it go, Peter. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, my second piece of trivia here is drafted by Minnesota in 2009. Ricky Rubio made his NBA debut in what year? Um, 2012. 20, 20, it was a few years. I'll say 2011. Correct, Jake. It was 2011. Nice. So, yeah, he spent a few years over on, uh, I think it was FC Mat- Madrid or basketball Madrid or something. I forget what. Yeah, team. it was it was one of the teams in Spain. I remember that. Yep, but he uh, spent two years abroad and then came over in 2011. Huh. So the right, Phoenix, the Phoenix Sun guard who uh, had one of the worst misses in this NBA season. If you haven't seen it, I'll post it on Quick Takes on Instagram. <laughs> it's horrendous, and the announcer's um, explanation of it was even funnier. It was great. <laughs> And just did a, a Hail Mary over the backboard. Okay, uh, is it my turn, boys? Yes. Yep. Okay, which NBA team has the most MVP winners? Like, like in the whole NBA history, like, like going from the day it started to now, which NBA team has the most MVP winners? Is that, individ- is that individual players who have won or just like times won? Most MVP awards. Okay. Um, hmm. Let me say Lakers. Yeah, I'm going to go Lakers as well. It is actually the Boston Celtics. Uh-huh, the, um, the Lakers have eight, and the Celtics have ten. So, starting off in chronological order, Bob Cousy na- snagged one in 1957. Mm-hmm. Bill Russell got one in 58. And they had four straight from 61 to 65. So, that is a total of uh, uh, five right there. Sorry, six right there, six. And then uh, Larry Bird got three. And mm-hmm. Dave Cowens also got one. So if you yeah. add that all that up, that is a total score of ten. I was I was wow. surprised on that one too. Like I, I I knew I knew that Russell had like four or five, but uh, I totally thought the Lakers would have had a lot more. Yeah, between Wilt yeah. and then Kareem and yeah. then Magic and Kobe and Literally. Shaq. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. So that, that one caught me off guard. All right, 
So going off um, Celtics and um, Russell era Celtics, who's the one team that beat um, the Celtics when Russell was on the team in the finals? Yeah, was it the 76ers? BJ? I'm going to go with – because I think I, – I don't think it was East versus West in this. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hawks. Yes, actually. Cole, you are wrong. PJ, you are right. Uh, the, Hawks, <laughs> the Hawks beat them 4-2 uh, to two in 58. That was Russell's MVP year, you just said. Uh, but Russell did get hurt about halfway through the series, so that might have had something to do with it. But, yeah, uh, just, it just might have. Bob Pettit. Bob Pettit and Bob the Pettit, uh, baby. Hawks went and got him. Wow. In 1958. So he was one of the lucky few that won a championship during uh, Bill Russell's yeah. reign of terror over the NBA. I think, I think that broke what would have been a uh, like a nine p because they won in 57 and then 59 to 66 they won like eight in a row. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> literally eight in a row. That's crazy. All right, so my last piece of trivia here is: um, what college did Steve Nash go to? I know he's from Canada. Uh, I don't know if he went to school there or if he came to school. Uh, I'm going to say, I don't know. Trick question. Did he not go to college? Okay. I'm going to uh, go with Santa Clara. <laughs> PJ, you are correct. He went to the University of Santa Clara. Wow. I don't know where that is. I just remember it. Well, it's in the name, PJ. California. It's in Santa Clara, California. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know if it was... I don't know if it was in Canada or, or, uh, or, Cal- or oh, California. Oh, God. <laughs> nice. Okay. There we go, Stevie. Uh, so, my turn. So, yep. um, which NBA player holds the um, – how do I say this? Which, which NBA player has the most blocks for a guard? So, I'll talk about a, I'll talk about like a guard right now. Who, who that, that played in the Currently? NBA has the most blocks? Sorry? Currently? Like current player? All time, all time, all time. I'm gonna go with Dwayne Wade. I'm cool. gonna go with Magic Johnson. It is a, it is actually Dwayne Wade. Dwayne oh, Wade had terrible. a total of 894 blocks in his wow. historic career, mm-hmm. passing Michael Jordan, I believe, last year. In his, uh, That's who I was gonna guess was oh, yeah. Michael, but then for some yeah. reason I remember Wade. So Wade was one, and Jordan was two, and then I saw a list earlier, and I think Dennis Johnson was like three. I, I, wow. I, I don't, I, I don't believe Dennis Johnson to be that tall. So that that uh, I was gonna yeah, he was yeah, like Dwayne Wade is, uh, I know Dwayne Wade one, one season <laughs> averaged um, two and a half steals in two blocks a game. Wow, really? Oh, yeah. God. He averaged yeah, two right. blocks a game. Flash. The, so. the funny part about Johnson is like, if you, I don't know if you guys have been watching like since there's been no live games, like just all the classic games. And it's like crazy how packed the paint is. Like mm-hmm. there'll be like four offensive guys and four like defenders in the paint at like a given time. And it's just an absolute like cluster down there. So like, <laughs> I feel like it was so much easier as a guard to get blocks back then. Cause like mm-hmm. literally it was just an absolute scrap in the paint. If it's crazy wrong. how the game has changed. If you really want to see a cluster, watch uh, Shaquille O'Neal primetime on uh, Orlando and just yeah. and just how many people they pack the paint in with. Then pretty much the whole defense. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So for my last question, I think this will end it, right? Everyone's done. Yep. Um, yep. Who's the only rookie to lead the league in scoring? To lead the league? The whole league? Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm just going to go with Will Chamberlain. Uh, he took. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go wild card here. Tyreek Evans. It was Wilt Chamberlain. He averaged a go. cool 37.6 points per game as a rookie. Oh, nice. And he also led the league in rebounds that same year with 27. So he oh. put up 37 and 27 as a rookie. 
Absolute monster. Yeah, that's pretty good. I know uh, Tyreek Evans didn't average the most, but he he does have the record for most points per game for a rookie. Um, really? No, uh, so, that'd be wrong. That's actually wrong. Just going <laughs> yeah, off the last day. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah average thirty-eight. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna have he had a crazy, he had a crazy rookie year. Tyreek Evans did though. Yeah, he did. He I know Will. I know Will had like fifty, like not in his rookie year, but I know Will like one year averaged like fifty points a game. Or something <laughs> yeah. like, that. like absolute absurd. It's comical. <laughs> That'll do it for today's episode. Um, I personally had a lot of fun talking about the top players. Um, that's always fun when you get a list to debate like that. And the good news is we're one week closer um, to actual NBA coming back. Today's the 12th. Um, the 31st is the official uh, start date, so we're under three weeks now. But um, in the meantime, it was fun to talk about those rankings and trivia as always. So, BJ, Cole, thanks for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, brother. Yep, we'll see you next week. All right. Bye-bye.